Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. And I'm being, I am currently being joined by Charlie Brown, co-founder and owner of Mixtape Marketing, a good friend of mine, and also a true professional with years of experience in the marketing realm here in Austin. He's worked with some of the biggest brands that you know, like Chameleon Cold Brew and many others that you're familiar with over the years. Uh, Charlie, welcome to the show. And first off, right off the bat, if you're going to get a cup of coffee in Austin, where's the first place you go? Now that you're almost free with your COVID vaccine. <laughs> well, uh, the first place I would have wanted to go would be Thunderbird Coffee. Uh, not because I necessarily think they have the best coffee in town, although I do think it's good, but because it was three blocks from our office and I pretty much kept them in business through for the past 10 years. Uh, unfortunately, the one next to our office on Koenig has uh, closed down during COVID. So I suppose I could drive over to uh, their other location, but probably not. But my next choice would probably be Joe's. I've always been a big fan of the turbo at Joe's. Yeah, Joe's is a, is a really good choice. I think uh, for myself, it would probably be two places. The first would be Texas Coffee Roasters over off 4th Street and then Mozart's. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong with Mozart's for sure. Although I will say this, Miss Congeniality goes to Stinson's Coffee over on 45th and Burnett. They, they were hardcore. They stayed open the entire time during COVID. So I got to give them props for, you know, not giving up. Same with Mozart's. Everyone pretty much stayed open that, you know, I was visiting. We were talking about your wife and her experience in, you know, video production and marketing and commercials for, you know, larger organizations and companies. And we were discussing how work kind of slowed down for that industry and how she's getting back into the mix. What do you see like for her, do you, do you see like there's a good transition there to move into helping people create content because there's so many more content creators out there that don't have the proper media training to execute a good content strategy for online media or what do you think would be like her goal that we were discussing? Yeah. I mean, I think as I mentioned, she, you know, took some time off from work, you know, pre COVID because of the kids and just to spend more time with them. And then, you know, was finally kind of get back into freelance opportunities and then COVID came and, you know, got back to not working because of the kids and taking care of them during COVID. But, you know, now she's ready to jump back in. I think her ideal job would be within a, within a company itself, as opposed to being hired by an agency and content creation would play a big part of that. Right. Because, you know, as a producer, she's very good at kind of organizing and kind of bringing, you know, bringing all the pieces together. Right. Um, you know, that's what they do. And so I think, um, you know, more of a, a corporate level content creator slash producer would, would be pretty perfect. And I do think, you know, even in her industry, I feel like that is probably a lot of what production is these days. Right. You know, that people aren't just shelling out big bucks for massive, you know, multi-million dollar TV spots anymore because social media is, is where the world is. Right. And so, you know, cr content creation for social has kind of taken over. So, yeah. And everything is much more strategic in nature. It's more about swift strikes, but you know, greater quality, greater quantity of those strikes versus big, large event type setups. And you can also, you can reach more of like your true audience base that way too. You're not just trying to appeal to the masses. You can actually niche down and be more appealing to the groups you're trying to target. 
Right. Exactly. But I would say like during COVID, you know, the marketing world in general saw two things happen. The people who were more niche, it seemed like things really picked up a lot. But then the people who were more mass appeal for like the bigger corporations like, you know, airlines and cruise ships and things like that, Disney World, you saw them basically go into standby mode while they try to figure everything out. While the smaller, more nimbler companies were adjusting to the circumstances and you know, moving really fast in different strategies. Very true. For you guys at Mixtape, did it really slow down at the beginning of COVID or did you feel like it was stayed steady state? It definitely in programs or kind of back out just, you know, budget purposes, you know, in a couple just more of a, let's put it things on hold. And, you know, that was, well, where did COVID start? You know, the, the, the lockdown in Austin hit in, you know, mid-March of 2020, I would say by, you know, late May of 2020 is when everyone just kind of said, all right, like, it's not going anywhere right like at least not anytime soon so we got to get back to it and that's when we really started to see things pick back up um you know and i'll say you know as a full service marketing agency that offers um you know pretty wide spectrum of services the one area that kind of never seemed to slow down or pause was anything as it relates to the web right whether it be needing a new website, a better website, an updated website, adding e-commerce to your site, you know, whatever that may be, SEO, um, that kind of never stopped. And I think the, the logic is, you know, even during lockdown, we're still on the web, right? It's not like, if anything, we're on the web more. And so that was one area where people were like, well, we just gotta, we gotta do more on the web and draw more, drive more traffic since people aren't coming to our store, or, you know, able to, able to meet in person. So. Yeah, what's really interesting is some of the people I was watching on YouTube who had a very, very small following, like 1,500 followers, 2,000 followers, once COVID hit, I noticed that there was a dramatic increase in traffic to them through YouTube, uh, you know, websites and podcasts especially picked up quite a great deal because everyone's turning to these alternate sites because there's only so much content available on Netflix, Amazon, iTunes, and everything else. So people were really picking up on other attempts at content creation and opening up their minds to different brands that they were normally accustomed to because you know that void wasn't being filled anymore so from a marketing standpoint and from a brand growing standpoint if you were in that position where you had everything set up and you were basically ready to receive more clients or more viewers you have knocked it out of the park for the most part during COVID because you were able to get those eyeballs and ears on your brand and it's been an incredible you know, for lack of a better word, looking at it, it's been an incredible case study to watch and to see how it develops and grows. Now, for for you guys and your partner, how did you guys pivot into it? Were you just kind of like, hey, you know, we're going to hustle, we're going to go out and try and get new clients? Or did you guys sit back, strategize and wait for an opening? <laughs> well, as a small business owner, I don't know that you ever just sit back and wait, right? Um, if you do, you know, that's when... Uh, that's when your success rate probably drops, right? That being said, you know, we are very, very referral based. And so the kind of whole sit back and wait thing isn't necessarily, we're always, you know, active and looking, but, you know, a lot of times it just kind of knock on wood, you know, work has just kind of always come to us, right? Um, during, during those first few months of COVID, you know, like I said, everything just kind of got slow. So the, you know, the one thing that we shifted, um, doing was like you know we're not able to meet with people so we just found other ways right and started attending a lot more virtual events um, actually ended up joining the austin chamber 
and found it to be very great. And, you know, um, was able to meet a lot of great people through that. Still going to the events to this day. Can't wait till we can actually, you know, start having in-person events again. But, um, and so for us, yeah, it was like, all right, well, you know, let's, let's do what we can with our clients that are, they're still active, but in order to kind of get our name out there, we definitely just started going out and, you know, I, I networked probably more last year than I've ever networked in the almost 12 years of business. Um, because, you know, again, just didn't have the opportunity to meet with people. So let's just meet them online. And, you know, I, I, I got some zoom fatigue for sure, <laughs> but, um, but got to meet a lot of great minds and, you know, get connected with a lot of great people. So. Well, have you guys got on the clubhouse yet? I have joined Clubhouse. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I occasionally will, you know, listen to a few, um, few events on there. You know, kind of in the background noise. Uh, I haven't gotten as active as I probably should. Um, it's on. It's on my uh, my gigantic multi-page to-do list of <laughs> of things to do. Is just kind of get a little more engaged with Clubhouse because, um, you know, a lot of people I talk to. Are pretty active and in fact one of our um not a client but uh you know someone we've been kind of in talks with for a while now and you know know through a, a multitude of you know networking events is very active and you know she always sends me meeting requests so that i can rem- remember what time some of these start it's just it's just you know in my in my case it's almost like it's just time right i'm just so busy with other stuff that finding the time to actually you know, really sit down and, and engage and listen into a clubhouse has been hard, but I think, uh, I think I'll make it happen for sure. Well, I think with people like me, you know, I am always trying to send you guys work because I run across like so many great people that could use your services and as being a benefactor of your guys' talent, I always want to share that excellence with other people so they can succeed as well. So, you know me, I'm always actively like promoting you guys, but that's based on an actual track record of working with you guys for years on end well we certainly appreciate that yeah <laughs> that's why i was that's why i was like you know like you know there's there's hustling for to find work and then there's hustling when work is you know brought to you it's completely different yeah. yeah well and you know what you just referenced is you know like i said we've been around for almost 12 years and that's kind of how we operate not because we want to operate that way it just kind of again i don't want to say lucked into it you know the work has to be good or people like you wouldn't refer more work to us, right? Um, but, you know, a lot of our work just comes from referrals and kind of people knowing us from, you know, a past project or, you know, a lot of clients we have, you know, maybe they moved to another company and they want to, you know, hire us at the new place they're at. And so, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate that way. Um, but, you know, at the same time as a business owner, you can't just only solely count on that, right? Because you just never know when that, may dry up. And so that's why, you know, 2020 was a great year for, if nothing else, just being very aggressively, you know, out there, getting our name out there and building more awareness and kind of, you know, being more known. So in fact, that like I mentioned, joining the chamber, you know, they, they did a little blog piece about us. Um, you know, they, they just asked us a few questions and just kind of wrote up a little blog. And it was amazing how many people saw it and reached out and were like, Hey, just saw this. So, so great, you know, glad y'all are doing well, you know, things like that. Did it lead to any work? Probably not. But it, if nothing else, it just was one extra little piece in the cog to kind of remind folks we're out there and we exist and 
we're still doing great things. So saw a big kind of just pause of a lot of stuff, right? Between ongoing stuff and, you know, leads coming in, things like that. Everything just kind of got put on hold. Uh, you know, had a couple clients actually. Yeah, I want to get you guys hooked up with Yellowbird Hot Sauce. I think you'd be a really good fit for them, as well as many other people that, you know, I run into here in Austin as well. Are you guys going to be going out to the uh, Austin FC games as also to help network in the area? I think I'll definitely be attending some games. In fact, a very close contact slash, you know, networking partner of ours um, has season tickets. So I've already been hounding him. Yeah, the, uh, the games start up in going. June. So I'm trying to get I'm trying to find out who's got tickets and who's going when so we can try and coordinate getting together. You know, once everyone's been you know vaccinated or have they feel comfortable in those public settings. Yeah, for sure. No, I would I would love to go. I watched uh, I watched the opening match on Saturday. Unfortunately, you know, the result was not what we hoped. Not that I expected to win, but um but yeah, pretty excited about uh about getting out to some of those games for sure. Yeah, our city is growing so fast and we have such a lack of housing for everyone. One of the uh one of the things they fail to market when they market the city as a place to come live and work is uh good luck finding a place to live. That's the hard part in town right now. And I feel like our city marketing has gone um in an interesting direction, especially with how things are are lately. What's your take on marketing nationally? Do you think that people are using traditional methods of marketing that we've used over the last five years, 10 years, or do you feel like people are really revamping marketing for the next three to five years right now? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's, you know, marketing and, and advertising in the world we're in is always constantly evolving, right? Like, you know, what someone might do today is always going to be probably different from tomorrow, right? Maybe not literally today to tomorrow, but you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it's a constant evolution, um, and I, I think it, it depends largely on your goals. Right. And like, you know, we talk to folks that all they want is leads, right. That's all they care about. They just need leads, leads, leads. They need people to get in their funnel. Right. And, um, you know, kind of build up. And so the strategy for something, you know, strategy for folks like that is always going to be different than maybe someone that really just needs awareness and needs to kind of get their name out there and, they're not quite ready to build the funnel or they have a pretty good funnel, but just kind of want to become top of mind. And so it really just depends on the initiatives and kind of what you need. But, but I do think as a whole, um, you know, when we come out of COVID things will be different, right? Like um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen to the trade show industry, for example, you know, we have a lot of clients that, you know, pre COVID, in fact, we were in the middle of planning a pretty big trade show, for one of our clients when COVID hit and they just kind of had to say, well, there goes that. Right. And so, you know, I think the trade show industry did a pretty good job. They, they didn't react immediately, but it was pretty quick that a lot of the shows went virtual and that some of them did a great job. Some of them not as great. I attended a few that were good and I attended a few that was like, oh, this is terrible. Right. And so I'm really curious to see what happens in that space. Right. Because, you know, in the, in the B2C world or in the B2B world, rather, you know, that's a, that's a really important marketing, you know, pe you know, part of the strategy, right. is getting out to trade shows. Um, and I, I'll just be curious where that goes. That's kind of the one thing I'm keeping an eye on, on, you know, how does that rebound and are people going to be comfortable and, you know, are you going to see more outdoor trade shows or are they going to limit, 
are they going to be masked up? Or are they not masked up? And will people even go? And kind of what happens there? So, well, you know, it's very interesting. So I went to a conference that was online the other day, and it was okay. It wasn't great, but when you compare it to like a clubhouse setting, clubhouse is kind of like a twenty four seven trade show in a lot of different ways to network and meet people and coordinate things, and you can do a lot of business through that app, and then. You've got people who are taking the traditional trade shows like South by Southwest, for instance. They went ahead and sold, I think, a 50% stake to Rolling Stone, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. I so, saw that. So I don't know how I feel yet. I, You know, good luck to them. That's all I'm going to say. Wish them the best. But, I, I, I will say this. I feel like the best of South by years is in the past. But Well, South by... I was, feel like it, South by started to get a little too corporate over the years anyway. So getting bought by Rolling Stone, I feel like just adds to that. But, you know, at the end of the day, as someone that lives in Austin and loves music and, you know, attends a lot of South by both from a music standpoint and from a, you know, the, you know, the interactive side of it, I'm always going to be a fan of South by, but I do think they, that their best years are in the past, maybe when it was a little more unknown or well, I think they burned a lot of bridges last year when they canceled South by they don't have the, yeah. So the way South by shut their doors for COVID last year and, you know, from what I heard, the way they treated their people and everything, it didn't exactly put them in, you know, a shining light, so to speak. So that was just, you know, word on the street stuff and that's all opinion based, but they really weren't as popular as they used to be. And also they really weren't as cutting edge as they used to be. They really watered it down, the, the brand down a lot. But then on top of that, so many other conferences sprang up in that South by vein that did a better job of kind of copying their formula. It's really hard to compete in that realm. And then when they tried to stretch to doing two events during the year, you know, you'd get 50% of people attend the Austin event and then the whole rest of the world wait to attend the Las Vegas event. So when you split, yeah. when you split up your resources like that, it's really hard to maintain that, you know, top product when you're spread pretty thin. Definitely. Now, when it comes to marketing, have you guys been able to, you know, spend your time mentoring anyone or have you just been so busy that, you know, you're just trying to stay focused on, you know, the actions at hand? I would say mostly focused on the actions at hand. You know, we've had in the almost 12 years of business, we've had a handful of interns over the years. Um, And it's just, it's, it's, you put it perfectly mentoring, right? Like I don't ever want to hire an intern or, you know, a new employee or anything, unless I know that I can truly be a good mentor to them and offer more than just a job. Right. Uh, and it's, it's hard as a small business and, a you know, not a lot of employees, like I wear a lot of hats. Right. And it's like when you're wearing that many hats and kind of being that busy, it's just hard to, to step away from that and actually, you know, be a true mentor. And so I guess the answer to the question is not really, (laughs) not because we don't want to, but really, again, it just comes down to time, right? There's just, there's only so much time I can allow in my day. And, uh, you know, unfortunately (laughs) getting the work done and, you know, proving stuff right for the clients kind of takes priority. So. Yeah. One of the interesting niches that I'm seeing develop during COVID is people who need you know, hands on deck to help accomplish the mission as far as like, you know, like editing, uh, comment, you know, doing, taking care of like the commenting part of it as far as like, you know, reach out. The other part of it is also 
setting up, you know, guests to come on different events and podcasts and conferences. There's, there's really, it seems like instead of it being just like a one man, two man show for anything internet, it really feels like now people have standardized that you need like a three to six man team to cover all of your social media outreach. And there's a lot of people who are offering those services now. So you can, anyone can go out and kind of like create the level of content that like people like Gary Vaynerchuk are creating. And so what I find interesting is like one, the coaching world seems to have gone like just crazy right now because everyone wants to learn new skills because they have to, they have to adapt. And then what I'm seeing too is people who predominantly their industry may be in a bit of a lull because of COVID instead of focusing on sales through Amazon or through other uh, platforms like that for commerce, what they're trying to do now is like, okay, my sales are kind of dead at the moment. I'm just going to go into teaching people how to do what I did. And yeah. I, I find that very interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I've met a lot of coaches over the years and it's definitely a, a, you know, field that seems to be growing and the popularity or demand of it seems to be at an all time high. So, so when it comes to like these conferences, I think clubhouse has taught people a lot of lessons of what can be. And there's a lot of people ripping off clubhouse right now. And I get why it's, you know, it's extremely popular. I'm seeing, you know, rip off versions of that app in other countries now and Instagram, Facebook, of course, everyone, LinkedIn is going to try and emulate it because of its success. But when it comes to marketing, it's really good because you get more of an authentic feel for people through their voice in the audio app. Now, yeah. I, now I don't think Facebook will be successful because they create such a negative environment for people. Same with Instagram. It's kind of like, you know, they turn people on people where Clubhouse is got a very positive atmosphere for the most part. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people are very respectful right now while it's still serving kind of like a smaller population here in the United States. So I think it's easier to get yourself across and your authenticity across through that. But once they open it up to uh, Samsung and other things, we will, uh, I don't know, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of potential, but there's also a lot of risk. Yeah. And what I find really interesting too, as things go on, is I see how like corporations like SpaceX, Tesla, and others just dominate. You know, talk about corporations that just got more powerful and got, you know, more market share during COVID. It's just incredible seeing people like, you know, like not people, but companies like Target because they had all of the curbside stuff delivery already set up before COVID really just put that thing on steroids and just go crazy with it. Yeah. In the marketing world, how do you feel like people have marketed curbside? Because curbside is, you know, that's a household thing now, period. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I feel like if you don't have that option, you're kind of almost looked down upon, right? Like, oh, what? You don't do curbside, right? Um, you know, so there are companies that like the ATBs and targets of the world that just do a phenomenal job. It's so well organized and so well put together and granted, you know, they also were kind of ahead of the game. They were already doing that to some extent before COVID. And so, you know, it just made sense. And, um, but you know, I've been to little tiny mom and pop shops that don't even offer curbside. And if you're like, Hey, do you mind just bringing it to my car? And they're like, oh, of course, you know, they're not going to hesitate, right? Because they know that that may be important to you, right? And so I think even the even the folks that maybe kind of just don't have the ability because of their size to really incorporate a full-on curbside offering are still going to figure out a way to offer it if it's important to people, right? Um, you know, but I, you know, back to your very first question of the day, coffee shops, right? 
I, I do truly feel like there were some coffee shops right out of the gate that like figured out, oh snap, right? Here comes this pandemic lockdown thing. People aren't going to be coming to get coffee. What do we do? And they just, they adjusted on the fly, right? Like let's, you know, set up a little table in the front and we'll just bring it out and, you know, we'll figure it out, right? They Maybe they actually invested into the full on ordering system. Maybe they just invested into, you know, a, a, make do ordering system and then you know tell you we'll bring it out but whatever the case the ones that adapted quickly are the ones that are just thriving right now because they were on top of it and the ones that you know again i don't know that this is why thunderbird <laughs> closed i i think there might have been more to the story but they didn't really adapt to that and they didn't have a you know order online and come pick up you know in front of our store situation set up right out of the gate and here they are, you know, months later, they were closed. And again, I think there was a lot more to the story. Um, but um, yeah, I think, you know, curbside is a is here to stay for sure, uh, especially on bigger stuff, right? Like targets and HEVs of the world. But I think even on some of the smaller places, it's, you know, it's probably, it's gonna, it's not going away. Well, what I thought was really interesting is you saw traditional businesses that were were uh, like drive up like uh, top notch hamburgers where it's like the 1950s era setup where you pull in like Sonic, you place your order at the electronic menu, you sit in your car and you wait for your food. So it was like places like Sonic and, you know, top notch and places like that were <laughs> just because they were uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? They were um, grandfathered in. They were they were pretty much OK out of everyone that's out there right now doing the great things, who do you want to work with right now that you haven't had a chance to work with yet? As in a company? Anyone, company, person, brand, dictator. I mean, I'm not going to narrow it down to a specific company, but I'll, I'll narrow it down to an industry. Um, you know, for us as creative people that love to make beautiful things and make great packaging and labels and, you know, ads, digital ads, websites, whatever it may be, the dream kind of client for us would be anything beer or spirits, right? Um, because you just can have so much fun with the product. And I, I'm not an alcoholic by any means, but I love having a good beer, or, you know, a cocktail here and there. And so it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that, you know, it's also a space that I appreciate and enjoy. Um, but just as a, you know, as an advertising person, you know, that's, that, that would be a dream to have, you know, a medium size, right? I'm not saying I want Budweiser to call and tell us to do their next Super Bowl ad. Not that we wouldn't say yes if they did, but you know, like the shiners of the world or, you know, someone like that, that kind of has a little bit of marketing dollars behind them. They're willing to do a little bit. And for what it's worth, I think shiners TV spots are actually really great, but <laughs> doesn't mean I wouldn't love to try to make them even better, but um, something like that, you know, Something yeah, something would be great. You think it's something like a Ryan Ryan Reynolds, like Aviator Gin or Aviation Gin, something along that lines? Yeah, or how about Maker's Mark, right? I've been drinking Maker's Mark for, you know, twenty five years and I'm in their ambassador club. I have a barrel with my name on it. That would be that'd be a dream for sure. Nice. The uh so Maker's Mark would be, I think, good one. I think Buffalo Trace would be one that would be really cool to work with too. I mean, any bourbon or whiskey would be great, right? Um, you know, I mean, honestly, the urban I probably enjoy the most right now is Garrison Brothers right here in Texas. But, you know, Garrison's still considered a pretty small distillery. Oh, yeah. They're, they were, I, you know, they're almost boutique 
to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're they're going but, like gangbusters right now, and they probably have yeah. more sales than they've ever had in the last year, thanks to changing of the uh, the Texas liquor laws and some other things. But they are they are busier than ever. But when it comes to like national brands and things like that, yeah, they're not they're not really yeah, on the radar yet. They're not playing in that that space yet. But if they ever do, you know, love to help them. And yeah. If, even if not, I'm still going to continue to enjoy their uh, enjoy their bourbon. Well, I will tell you this though: their marketing department punches above their weight class. If you yeah. if you saw just like all the things that they work on, and all the uh, affiliations and partnerships that they work with. Their marketing department in that in that company, they do a very good job for, yeah. for internal marketing. Yeah, for sure. Now, how do you balance work as you know a founder owner with parenthood? <laughs> uh, well, before the pandemic, it was a lot easier because I was in the office every day, and was, you know when I'm in the office, I'm in work mode. And when you get home, you know, you try to be in parent mode. You're, of course, going to be distracted by, you know, checking an email or following up with something, right? But it was a pretty, it was a lot easier to balance. Now, I'm actually in the office today, but I'm not always in the office. And it becomes a lot more challenging when you're, I'm personally, I know the kind of work from home thing is probably here to stay, especially with corporations. But I'm not equipped for it. I just, I'm not good at it. I would rather be in an office and kind of have a separation of work and home. Right. Um, so, but it's hard, you know, I, I, I sometimes even try to like, you know, set a time aside where it's like, all right, I'm just, I'm not even going to look at my phone for the next few hours. Cause I really just need to be focused on the family or the kids or whatever. But as a small business owner, it's like, you kind of almost never want to fully step away. Right. Because you're kind of always, there's always something, right. You never, I say, I never actually stop working just kind of pause it for a little while. <laughs> See, I feel so. like a lot of people got a taste of what it's like to be an entrepreneur working with yeah. home with kids and spouse and everyone home uh, when you're trying to work and then you've got all the family stuff going on around you like a, whirl- like a whirlwind. I really feel like, you know, that's, hey, hey, everybody, that's kind of what it's like to be an entrepreneur because, you know, depending on what you're doing, you are sometimes in home setting. You don't have like an away office. And, you know, until you, your hustle gets out of the garage, you're kind of stuck in that kind of a situation, uh, pre COVID. And then with COVID everyone's together. And that, yeah. that is, that is no small feat to get around. I think that either broke people or that fortified people. And it was, it's interesting seeing like who it broke and who it didn't. Yeah. Cause that was very yeah. mentally, mentally taxing for a lot of people. Yeah. That's. That's the understatement of the year right there. And then you have the people who are making additional family members during that time and gr- <laughs> and growing that situation and that, uh, in that whole paradox that comes from that. Yeah. What are we going to call like baby boomers round two here? Like pandemic boomers? Like, uh, we got to give them better. Uh, we got to give them a better name than that. It need, they need to be yeah. something. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like baby boomers. It's kind of on par with baby boomers, but you know, yeah, we're gonna have to cross that. We're gonna have to. We're gonna. Have to, we need to give them a cool name because the circumstances in which they've entered this world are not cool. So they need to make up for a really good name, a really cool like generational name. Yeah, their circumstances or mom and dad were stuck at home and had nothing better to do than make me. So, <laughs> or, or <laughs> you know, I think I think the the coming baby boom is it's already starting to hit because we're 
we're a year since COVID started, you know, lockdown here in Texas in March. So those kids have already be- begun to arrive. And over the course of yeah. the next, you know, year, year and a half, all those kiddos are going to be coming in. So for me, you've got this whole, um, whole other industry developing as far as like yeah. the care and well-being of those kids, because education is going to be completely different for them because the way we educate children, the way that they participate in our communities is be completely different. So they're really walking into brand new setup. All of yeah. the, like you and I used to take our kids to the same park and I drove by that park the other day and it was like ghost town. They hadn't even mowed the grass of the park. That's like how bad it was. It's funny you mentioned that because I took my kids to Brentwood Park yesterday, but I almost went to Ramsey and I was kind of curious, you know, I we just, we have a pretty nice setup in our backyard, so I haven't really had to take them to a lot of parks. Yeah. You know, really the benefit of the park was really more to play with the other kids, but yep. trying to limit that, right? And so, yep. but anyway, I took them yesterday to a park for the first time in a while and it was dead. I mean, there was literally two other kids there and that was it. And they were young kids. They were like under two. So yeah. And if you're a parent with a kid, the park is basically like the club. <laughs> These things are packed and they're crazy, Like, but they've all been ghost towns. And so they haven't been maintained as well as they probably should have been. So I'm curious to see how that reinstates itself. And I see some parks coming back in some communities and others. It's just no one wants to go over there. Now the homeless do play a factor into that. And the way the city manages things plays a factor, of course. And in some cases, if the city doesn't open up like the restrooms and things like that, it makes it much more difficult for parents. So these kids are coming up in like completely different, you know, rules of the game. And like the older kids have, have adjusted as best they can. They went through, you know, a real like nut roll with all this. But I really think like that, that boom of children, whatever, whatever their name winds up being, they are going to be completely different than any previous generations. Well, maybe maybe that's not true because, like, if you look at our past, we've had several different like uh, virus outbreaks and things like that. But they're they're gonna they're gonna be different. We don't know how it get, but they're gonna be different some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Go ahead, my sorry. oldest my oldest child, I know. You know, <laughs> I tease with her. I'm like, you know, when you're in high school, this year that you've experienced, where you, you know. When we when COVID first started, we called it germ busting, right? Eventually, we kind of talked to her about COVID and kind of what it is, blah, blah, blah. But I told her, I said, you know, when you're in high school, you're going to have a whole probably chapter in your history book about germ busting, right? Like <laughs> what this pandemic was. And uh, thankfully, my youngest, though, I think is young enough that she probably won't remember any of this. I mean, she'll still hear about it down the road. She'll probably, it won't be in her permanent memory, but my oldest, it will be, so... Well, I took the time for my oldest to basically try and, you know, teach him survival skills. Like, hey, let's go make a fire. Let's go learn how to, like, do your tent outside in case you need it. So I really spent a lot of time focusing on outdoorsmanship with him and the eventuality, you know, like, hey, let's, you know, let's start preparing you for things because life comes at you hard and it comes at you fast and you got to be ready with just about anything, especially as civil unrest started developing and especially as, like, you know, we got hit by that winter storm. So these poor kids have gone through COVID. They've gone through the worst winter storm in the state's history. They went without power, without water. They really got a real taste of like that pioneer spirit. So let's kind of like feed the fire of that, you know, self-sufficient, you know, thing that we all have inside of us as far as like survival instincts. And let's make our kids tougher, stronger, better. Yeah. Yeah. That's the true marketing of COVID right there. Tougher, better, stronger. I like it. 
like it. <laughs> well, we'll call it the next generation the tough enough generation. Yeah. The uh, what do you you know what was, what was it like for your parents? What were what was kind of like their take? You know, look going up a generation and seeing how they reacted to all this because they've been through some stuff as well. <laughs> so my parents, um, they retired. Well. My mom mostly retired. My dad retired, but still was doing some consulting work. And, you know, they just moved here to Austin, you know, just before COVID. And so it was hard at first because in their mind, it was like, well, we didn't retire and moved to a new city just to sit around. Right. So it was definitely a challenge to kind of adjust to like, well, now you're kind of stuck at home and can't see people. And so that was definitely a, a rough, you know, rough for them. Um, but, you know, overall, they've you know they're being safe and cautious but you know kind of still trying to live their lives and do some stuff and you know just do it in a safe way um so but i think they're definitely happy to kind of see the end of this coming right lots more time with grandkids and family and more travel you know they love to travel so that's interesting because like um, with my parents they they're actually extremely busy people and so for them to not be able to work, so to speak, because of the nature of their business, they were, they focused just on their, their house like everyone else. They focused on improving their footprint, improving their foxhole, making everything better. So it was interesting seeing them go from like, you know, external focus to internal focus on the things around them. Yeah, you know, my parents did a little bit of that because they, um, you know, they had just moved. And so while the house itself was, didn't need much, the the kind of surroundings did, right? They live out on a couple acres. And so they put a lot of time into, you know, the yard and getting, you know, getting that set up. And so um, that was one thing they did a lot of. And, you know, they, they, you know, they did some smaller travel, you know, camping and, you know, little road trips and stuff like that. So. So have you been able to wrap your arms around this experience and apply it to marketing to, you know, make you guys faster, better, stronger over there at Mixtape Marketing? Um, faster, better, stronger. Are we sure that's not already taken by like Daft Punk? Is that a Daft Punk? Uh, <laughs> hey, they retired. They left it. Okay. So I'm here, I'm here to pick it up. I'm, I have a theory that they only retired so that they can have like a, you know, coming out party to like, you know, a reunion party. Right. It's like the thing to do now. Oh, they're going to see the LCD sound system retired a few years ago and they came back with another album and big tour and. Yeah, you know, I mean, sold out arenas, right? How it's many just times? A matter of time. How many times are the Rolling Stones and Cher unretired? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think they were they like retire, they retire and how they like run out of money and they're like, oh, we got to do another big tour. Well, what was really interesting is like one getting a big tour funded right now is like pretty near impossible. Period, because of the insurance and the testing and everything else. And so, yeah, I think what they do is they go back, they take a knee, they work on a new album, and then they come back out of retirement when things kind of like solidify in about another like year or so. Uh, yeah. someone who really impressed me during COVID was uh dead mouse. Dead mouse just like sat back and he got into the studio and he's, he's dropping new beats now and new soundtracks, but he strategized this whole thing. He said, okay, cool. I can't work. I'm going to just go straight to the studio and work my ass off. And yeah. so now he's got a uh, house trap and, you know, listening to him talk on clubhouse about the strategies that they're trying to formulate and how they're, they're directing their efforts in this environment it's it it truly is impressive. If you if you thought like his skill set as a DJ was limited to just being a DJ, 
he has many, many more facets than I actually imagined. They're, they're extremely creative, but they're also very business conscious to the industry. So the way that they're reinventing their music and the availability, and they're kind of coupling it with NFTs right now, which I find very, very interesting. They have really upped their game. As, and, you know, he's filling the void left behind by Daft Punk as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I saw him listed on, um, like, uh, I see all these ads on Facebook or Instagram, I forget which one, with, like, Masterclass, right? You know, like, he's teaching, like, a Masterclass or something. That would probably be worthwhile um, to take, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, back to your question. No more Daft Punk jokes. Um <laughs> Uh, you started faster, it better, stronger. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think, you know, one thing, you know, we definitely learn and we'll kind of adjust or grow from this. So, you know, one is let's never take anything for granted. Right. Like, and, you know, Ben and I have had this motto for a long time of like, you know, as a small business owner, you can never just look at what's in front of you. Right. You always have to have the full peripheral of everything and kind of always be kind of looking not for the next thing, but just kind of for the next everything, right? Like kind of always have that bigger picture in mind and, you know, planning years or many years ahead. Right. And so I think, you know, it's, it's to never take for granted because you just never know when a worldwide global pandemic is going to hit and all of a sudden it's going to affect your business. Right. So you got to, you know, be prepared, be prepared to adapt and adjust and, you know, learn and grow for sure you know i uh as a former well i guess not former i've always been an eagle scout like our motto was be prepared and you know you got to take that into into the real world life because if you're not prepared you get left behind so well as an entrepreneur i really do in a, in a business owner of any size i really do think that you have to you know be prepared to get sucker punched in the face at any point in time because oh, of course something always- something's going to sucker punch you it's just a matter of time well, and I always tell people, don't be afraid to fail, you know, <laughs> you know what uh, failure is part of life, right? It's what you do after you fail that matters. So. Nope. You're not allowed to fail because failing costs you a lot of money. <laughs> when well, you're does. an entrepreneur, you are not allowed to fail, but you're right. Yeah. Sometimes things are outside of your control environmentally or, you know, internally and you are, you're, you're done. Your idea is done. Your business is done. And then you take your, take your licks, figure it out and then come back. Yeah. I mean, I don't say fail in the sense of, you know, do dumb stuff. Right. But don't be afraid to try something. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You move on to the next thing. And, you know, but you know, for us, you know, as a business owner that provides a service, like, you know, the only way we're, you know, the, the way we would fail is just to not be good at our service. Right. I think as long as we, are good at what we do and get our name out there, then, you know, business should, you know, be pretty good in a perfect world. You know, of course we know the world's not perfect. So, um, but well, you guys, well, here's one of your guys hidden talents that a lot of people don't know about that. I actually know about you guys put on one hell of a concert during South by Southwest and <laughs> your concert was always one of my favorites. And usually if not the only one I'd go to during South by Southwest because of tradition and everything else, you guys usually were, were it because you were the way you operated it and you executed it. So at some point in the very near future, I want to sit down with you guys and talk about doing a music series at a local venue here in town and see what you guys would, think about it. Absolutely love that. In fact, 
not everybody knows this, but South by Southwest 2020 was going to be our 10th party. Uh, and by the way, we're not allowed to call it a South by Southwest party because we're not an official South by Southwest party. But whatever. It just we'll happened just, to be around the same time and the same is downtown yeah. during that time. So be, South, South, just to be clear, South by is over like at the convention center in Congress. It's not over yeah. on like West six where yours was at. Yeah. Because of the corporate BS that is South by now, like we couldn't call it a South by party, but whatever everyone, we weren't going to stop people from calling it that. And so I'm, I'm glad you called it that, but, um, you know, it was going to be our 10th party last year. And I personally think maybe our best lineup in terms of the bands and then uh and then covid came and took that away and what people didn't know is it was actually gonna be our last party um in theory like we weren't for sure gonna do that but that was kind of the tentative plan is let's go out with a big bang with number 10 anyway it went away oh you got you got your bang (laughs) just not the way you thought we got a bang a bang as in it's uh it's not there anymore but now that it's you know, was taken away from us. We're like, well, we can't just end like that. We can't just end at nine and almost 10. Right. So we're definitely going to have another party, whether it's another South by party, or maybe we just have another big, you know, bash, um, some point post COVID it'll happen. Well, we, we'll be great. It'll be great music. Maybe we can partner up on something. When we get done the podcast, I'll talk to you about it. That's because it's, you know, with my experience, I think it's of course a good idea. But, you know, you're, you're the true marketing genius here. So we'll see what you guys say. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Uh, for the audience, what lessons learned through your vast experience in marketing in life would you like to share with the audience? Um, well, I mean, it, honestly, I'm going to this is not so much as much as a marketing lesson, but it does apply. And it's something I tell my kids every day is and we already talked about it, right? It's the idea of not being afraid to fail or not being afraid to be wrong or not being afraid to make a mistake, right? I have a young child that's in kindergarten that wants to be perfect and doesn't want to do something unless it's, you know, just right. And I have to remind her all the time, like, it's okay to make mistakes. In fact, it's good to make mistakes because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. So I know I know, I might be talking like I'm talking to a six-year-old, but, you know, I think for me as someone, you know, I won't age myself, but I'm old enough that, you know, the biggest lesson in my life has been so far is, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes, but also make sure you learn and grow from those mistakes because, you know, that's, that's the best of me has come from some of my mistakes for sure. In fact, that does bring into mixtape. Like, you know, I went on a RV journey across the country for six months doing a little bit of soul searching. And when I came back, I started a business, right? Had I not done some things leading up to that need to have a soul searching RV journey, I probably would have, who knows where my life would be right now. Right. So. Well, Charlie, we've come to the end of the interview. Thank you for joining me and you're of course, welcome back anytime. And uh, we definitely need to do this again, but we need to bring Ben into the picture. Yeah. You know, Ben, I told Ben when I was getting on the phone with you, he's like, well, we're supposed to both be there. I was like, well, I don't know. It might be weird. Two people. Why don't we, why don't I do it? And I'll talk to Dan and, you know, maybe we'll, you do the second one or maybe we'll both be on another one or, yeah. We need to do, we need to do another one, but we'll bring Ben into it next time. So he, I want Ben to like get a taste of like what the temperature's like. Cause he's, Ben's the play it safe one out of you two. So you're, you're <laughs> a little bit more of the risk taker. So let Ben see what we've accomplished here and then we'll bring him in. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for your time. And we'll talk.